0: Was there just two cosmic dust mites out there that ran into each other and bang, before you know it, human beings existed? Uh, Well, some people believe that. Uh, Science doesn't quite support that. As a matter of fact, as time goes on, there's more and more scientific evidence popping up now for the Genesis story. Uh, I don't know if you read science journals and things like that, but uh, there are more discoveries being made where they're going, hang on, this Big Bang Theory is making less and less sense and what, this, what the writer of this book, 6,000 years ago, whatever, wrote, that's making a lot more sense now than what science is. And, and there are discoveries in science, and there are discoveries in astronomy, and all kinds of things that are happening out there where people are starting to go, you know what, maybe this book isn't just for dummies. Maybe there is a little bit of truth in this. Maybe some of these things do make sense. Um, how many of you know, I think it was Christopher Columbus, when he sailed... Um, Off on his first voyage, I think the king of the day said to him that don't do that because you will fall off the end of the world. Why? Because back then they literally believed that the earth was flat and I think it was on the back of two elephants that were standing on the back of a tortoise. Literally, this is what what your educated world leaders were thinking about how the world was created and what the world was like back in the day. And so people didn't want to sail in a boat to discover new lands because you just don't want to disappear off the edge. Well, Christopher reads in this book, in the book of Psalms, and it says the world is a sphere. And on the basis of that, he says, no, I believe this book, and he sets sail. And the rest is history. And so many other people have discovered amazing things because they've got into this book and gone, what the science of the day or the intelligent people of the day say is impossible, well, this book seems to contradict that, and they take a step of faith and they trust some of the stuff that's in here, and they start exploring this, and it's amazing what you discover about science, about the world around us, even about the human body, the way that we were made. You know, I read an interesting um, story uh, last night about a, a, a scientist... Uh, an atheist and god and they had a conversation and and they decided that um the scientist sorry said to god that um, well we don't need you anymore we're actually quite clever now we can even clone human beings we can make humans just like the bible said we can make them and god says right yeah let's have a challenge yeah but you make a human and i'll make a human and let's and the guy goes no worries and the scientist bends down to pick up the dirt and god goes uh-uh-uh you go and get your own dirt That's my dirt. I made that dirt. You make something out of nothing. It's very, very hard. Although if you have children, now they can make a mess out of nothing, can't they? Genesis chapter 1. Right back in the beginning. Right back at the start. The Bible teaches us that God created Adam, created man. Fashioned man of the dirt of the ground. And the Bible tells us he took a step back and he looked at that, put his hand up and went, hmm. Yeah, I reckon I can do better than that. And then he made Eve. Straight after. So we have Adam and Eve. We have mankind created. Genesis chapter one, verse oh turned around, the screen's gone. I'll read it. If you've got a Bible, you can follow along. Chapter 1, verse 26 to 28. It says this. Glasses. Can you hold that, Jackie? Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created the male and female he created them. And God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. God created man. It's interesting that the very first thing God did at the very inception of creation, what did he do? He blessed them. He blessed them. It's in God's very DNA to desire to bless people. How many of you know God is a good God? He's not an angry master up there with a stick waiting for you to make a mistake so he can... A lot of us have those images. People have weird images of God. I remember uh, sitting one time at a football match with my wife and listening to a guy tell me that uh, he was brought up in 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 an orphanage, a a Christian orphanage. And and what would happen is he said at night time he would wet his bed because he was just a young kid. And they would come in the next morning with big sticks and he said they would beat me with the sticks for wetting their bed. What he was really saying to me was the God that you're talking about, the God that you love, he beats little kids with sticks when they wet their bed. That's what he's was saying to me. That was his image, his picture of God. People got all kinds of images and pictures of who God is. Yet we see right here in the very beginning, a great picture of the character and the Father in the heart of God. The very first thing God did was he blessed them. He blessed them. He blessed them. He didn't give them a rule book and say, no, you've got to start following this. He didn't say, you've got to, he blessed them. He spoke positive over their life and he blessed them. It's in his very DNA to want to bless people. This is the God that we serve. This is the God that we love. If you've got other images, other pictures of God, let me tell you, if it doesn't stem from this very first introduction, if the very foundation of your view of the Father is not that he is a good God and he wants to bless you, if that's not the foundation of your image of God, then you're not reading from the same book I'm reading from. God is a good God and he wants to bless us. He's predisposed towards blessing. It's the very first thing he did when he made mankind. He blessed mankind and then he declares what that blessing will look like in their life. He says it's going to look fruitful and it's going to multiply. He blessed them and he told them what the result would be. He said we're going to be fruitful on the inside. We're going to bear fruit. You know, you are called to bear fruit. You are called to bear positive Fruit, not rotten fruit, not bad fruit that rots on the tree and falls off or that has to be cut off by the harvester because it's no good for anything, chucked away. You are called to bear good fruit. We're called to be fruitful, but we're also called to multiply. We're also called to not just have God do things on the inside of us, but we are called to take that stuff externally and be an outward blessing to the world around us as well. We're called to have internal change and external change. We're called to be internally blessed, but we're also called to be externally blessed as well. You know, when when the Bible tells us about this guy called Abraham, we call him Father Abraham, you know, the one he had many sons, that guy. The Bible tells us that one night God woke him up and took him outside. And said to him, look at the sand on the the ground. And he looked, he's in a desert, he's looking at the sand. And then God says, look at the stars in the sky. There were no streetlights back then. So he had perfect view of the sky. Anyone ever been to a place way away from electricity and you look at the the sky and you think, oh my goodness. The amount of stars that are there. It's amazing how streetlights and things like that, how they, they restrict our view of the sky. But you get out into a pitch black place and you see this and you just get overwhelmed with the amount of stars, the intense blackness of the sky and the number of stars. And God says to him, can you count the stars? Haven't you count the sand? He says, you can't. Guess what? Your inheritance, your, your future, the, the, the blessing, the people that are going to come from you are going to be as numerous as the sand of the sea, as multiplied as the stars in the sky. And he wasn't talking about his own, he was talking about the church. He was talking about those that through faith would take a hold of God. He was talking about us. We are that promise. When Abraham looked up at the stars, think about this, one of those stars was you. One of those stars was me. When he looked down at the grains of sand, one of those grains of sand was you, Pat. It was you. It was you, Rob. One of those grains of sand was you. That sand you come home from work and you, you know, we just brush off our feet. The next time you brush, I want you to look and get be careful, it could be you. It could be you in that grain of sand. He's commanded us to be fruitful and to multiply. To not just bear fruit on the inside, but to bear fruit on the outside of us. God blessed them, and then he told them what that blessing would look like. If you are bearing fruit on the inside, if you are multiplying yourself out there in the world, you're a blessed person. You're a blessed person. God told them that they would be fruitful and multiply. Watch this. God didn't ask them to, by the way. He didn't just ask him if you feel like it. Look, I'll tell you what, Adam, if you have time, can you maybe, I don't know, pop an apple off your branch every now and then? Uh, if you've got time, I mean, I know you're busy doing nothing. I know you're busy. But if you get time, can you bear a bit of fruit? And if you get time, can you maybe think about outside of yourself and there's a world out there and maybe, you know, multiply some of that blessing and that goodness. If you, only if you've got time. God didn't say that. It was a command. He told them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. Imagine what the earth would look like if it was fully filled with those that actually had faith in God. That believed what Jesus taught about equality, what Jesus taught about prosperity, what Jesus taught about faith, what Jesus taught about the human condition, what Jesus taught about love, what he taught about grace. Imagine what the world would be like. If the world was filled with that. Well, this was the vision that God had from the very, very beginning. He commanded them to be fruitful and multiply. Just like the Great Commission, Matthew 28. Jesus didn't say, if you guys feel like it, and you got the time. Do you reckon you could? I, don't... I know you're busy. <laughs> if you got time, could you maybe go to the other nations of the earth and people that don't know anything about God, if you got time, just go and let them know that I'm here. He commanded the early church, go into all the world. Let people know that I exist. Let them know about the great life that I have on offer for these people. It was a command. He commanded them to be fruitful and to multiply. And the thing is, he gave them three blessings. There were three things that he gave them from the very inception. And I believe that if we grab a hold of these three things, that's what enables us to truly walk in the blessing that God commanded. It's like like God has commanded something to be upon your life, but you've got to be in the right place for that to happen. Does that make sense? It's like I, uh, somebody rings you up and says to you, I've got a, a brand spanking new uh, Mercedes-Benz or BMW for you, Jackie. But in order for you to have that BMW, you need to be at the corner of this and this at this particular If you get there, then guess what? You are going to have the most amazing blessing, a blessing your husband is probably not going to be able to buy you in the next six months of his life, um, dropping a hint there Um, but it's there it's there for you if you position yourself and get to the right place guess what you can have this blessing and God in the beginning says to them straight away he creates me and he blesses them he tells them what that blessing is going to look like this is what it will look like you'll be fruitful and you'll multiply and in order for you to actually enjoy that blessing in order for you to be fruitful and multiply I'm going to give you three things I'm going to give you some things to help you with that so, I just want to, for the next 10 minutes, have a quick look at what the Bible says about those three things. The first thing God gave them was He actually gave them a place. God gave them a place. He gave them a place to be. Genesis 2 8 says this The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there He put the man who He formed. God took Adam and Eve, and He put them in a place. He put them in a garden. Who loves gardening? We've got to, I know we've got my, this is my uncle and auntie here. We've travelled up from Balna for the day. Good to see you guys. And uh, my uncle's done an amazing thing in his backyard. I don't, I, 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 don't know. I remember the backyard when we were kids. We would play cricket in the backyard. There was all this grass and clothesline, and you know we'd make our cricket games. And and you've constructed it in such a way that your grandkids cannot possibly play cricket in your backyard now because there's trees and plants and concrete. And I think it's done deliberately because we probably hammered your lawn as kids, and so you've. And that's all the next generation don't do that. So God takes them and the Bible says he places them in a garden. Interesting thing about gardens is that you only put something in a garden to what? To grow. Nobody plants something in a garden so that it will die. Nobody plants something in a garden without a purpose of it contributing to that garden, to that space. And God planted them in a garden. He put them in a place to grow. He put them in a place where they could contribute to what God wanted to do. You know, I used to have a, a garden in Bundaberg when we first got married. I'm, I'm not a green finger, I'm a brown thumb. And uh, uh, was it a green thumb? What do they call it? Green thumbs? Oh, anyway, I'm not that. I'm the opposite. Um, I've got a gift of probably killing plants. Uh, and it is a gift because I don't reckon you could do it as good as me. And um, so I planted this garden. We had this driveway in the little place in Bundaberg we lived in. We just got married. And I was so excited. I get to plant my first garden. I'm a husband now. I'm going to plant a garden, you know. Man things. That's what men do. And um, so I got some plants from Bunnings or wherever. And I, I remember planting them in the ground. And, and it, it didn't quite go according to plan. Not quite. Some of the plants really thrived and grew beautifully, you know. Some of them didn't grow quite as well. Um, How many of you know that some plants grow great in sunlight, some need shade. Some plants will drink a litre of water and some plants don't touch me with liquid, period. Who knows that? Well, I know that now. I didn't back then. And so I had this hodgepodge of a couple of plants that really grew really well and some plants that didn't. And what did I do with the ones that didn't? Well, I didn't want them in my garden. They were useless being in that particular garden. So I had a choice. So I can either pull them out and put, put them somewhere else in an environment where they're going to grow or I just pull them out and throw, whatever. But the point is they didn't grow in every environment, but I had to get the right plant in the right environment in order for it to grow. You know, churches can be a bit like that. Churches can be like that. Churches are like gardens. Not every church is for everybody. Who knows that? In this room, we've probably got a whole deal, range of experiences with different churches and styles and things like that. There's nothing wrong with any particular style. I don't, I don't look at church and go, you're right and you're wrong. I just go, you're different, you're different, you're different, and we're different. But you know what? Certain plants grow in certain environments. And certain plants don't grow in other environments. My encouragement is find the environment where you grow. Find the environment where you grow. Psalm chapter 1 verse 1 to 3 says this. It said blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He thinks about, it. he thinks about the way that God says to do life. He shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. He's like a tree planted by what? Streams of living water. He's planted in a place where he's getting fed, he's getting nourishment, and he is producing fruit. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 7 and 8 says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord, for he shall be like a tree planted by the waters which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green, will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit again. He's like a tree planted by waters. There is so much imagery in the Old Testament of life and that life being something planted by a stream of living and flowing water. And that's what church should be for you. I say it all the time. If you are not being inspired in your journey with God, if you're not being called up to something, if you don't feel like being here is is making you want to reach for something higher, to be a better person, to be a better husband, to be a better child, a better student, a better if being here is not calling you up to something and you're not being inspired and you go away complaining, whinging, feeling like it was a waste of time, go somewhere else find another church. Find somewhere where you are inspired. Find somewhere where you feel like there's life in you. Find somewhere where you're being challenged. By the way, bearing fruit, it, 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 it's not, there's a big difference between being challenged to bear fruit and being in an easy church. Okay, There's a big difference. Don't mistake in fruitfulness with ease. Okay. The other extreme is I don't want to just sit in the church and go through the motions and not be challenged. I don't want to stay the same way that I am because I know there's so much more that God has inside of me to change, to mould, to shape. But there's so much more that God wants to do through my life to impact planet Earth in a positive way as well. Okay? Don't mistake an easy with fruitful. But let me tell you something. If you're not growing here and you're not thriving and being challenged and, and getting more inspired, please, 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 before you spiritually die, Find somewhere else where you will be challenged and you will be inspired. I can't tell you the amount of times I have chatted with people in churches and they've said the same thing to me. Oh, I just, you know, I don't like this, I don't like that. And they go through the motions of what they do and don't like. You know, that's all water off a duck's back to me. There are things about my own church I don't like. <laughs> you know, and if I find a church I really like everything about it, I'd be a fool to go because I'll just ruin it by my very presence. No such thing as a perfect church because there's no such thing as perfect people and people are the church, amen? But they say, oh, this is... But then then they come to the classic line. They say to me, but the Lord hasn't released me to go yet. I'm here. It sucks. I hate it. But the Lord hasn't released me to go. I'm dying spiritually. I mean, I'm dying. I'm not thriving. I'm not getting closer to God. I'm not being inspired. But the Lord hasn't released me to go. Well, let me tell you something. You want to have a strong, 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 strong word from God to stay in that environment and die, risk spiritual death. It want to be strong. It want to be strong. I had a guy just two weeks ago, came in here and I was chatting with him, same thing. Oh, my daughter, so I don't want to know all the ins and outs of your church because I don't go to your church. I don't want to make a judgment on your church. That's not why we exist. But what I would say to you is, if you really feel like, and his words were, I'm dying every week. And my advice is, we'll stop dying every week. Either, one, adjust yourself. Maybe you're dying because you Maybe it could be an internal thing. Maybe it's you. You're too critical. Every time the worship's played, rather than entering into the presence of God, you're judging the keyboardist or the guitarist. Every time someone preaches, you're judging. You know, they might say 50 things you agree with, one thing you don't, and you're the person that sits there and picks at that one thing all day. Goes home, has your lunch, thinks about the one thing, tells everybody the one thing you... Well, maybe, if that's the case, maybe you need to change. And you know what? Maybe for the sake of the church and everybody else in the church, maybe you do need to go. Because you're just speaking negativity and you're not investing and you're not helping build or do anything. So maybe you need to go. But if that's not the case, if that's not the case and you're just not thriving in that particular garden, then pull the roots up, find a garden that you're going to thrive in because your relationship with God is too important to just let it die. Let that die and everything else dies. Everything else dies. Be planted. Be planted by streams of living water. That's what the Bible tells us to do. Put yourself in a place where you can be fruitful. If you're going to allow yourself to stay in a place where your spiritual life and vitality are dying, you want to have a really, really strong word from God. And I don't just say that to people out there, I say that to people in here as well. We are not here just to build numbers. We are not here just to have a big numerical church. We're here to have a bunch of people that are passionate about God, that are connected together, that share a common purpose, share a common vision, want to go somewhere. Want to go somewhere because we don't want to stay where we are, love where we are, but I don't want to stay here. I don't want to be the same person I am now in six months' time. Okay? If I'm not growing, I'm going backwards, the law of atrophy. Whatever's not going forward is deteriorating and going backwards. My spiritual life, if it's not growing, my relationship with my wife, with my kids, if it's not going forward, it's going backwards. My relationship with my church, if it's not going forward, it's going backwards. If I'm not investing into the vision to go forward, then what I'm really doing is slowing things down and dragging it backwards. And it all comes back to choice. I don't have to be here. You don't have to be here. But find a place where you are spiritually inspired and challenged. God, number one, he gave them a place. He planted them in a place. Number two, he gave them a purpose. Straight away, God gave them a purpose. Genesis 2.15 says, Then the Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to tend it and keep it. God gave them a reason to exist. How frustrating it is, especially with the younger generation, to see kids walking around with no ambition, no goals, no purpose, heading nowhere. And when you confront them and talk to them about it, they're okay with that. They're actually, they feel like they're okay with that. I don't mind just being on Centrelink for the rest of my life. I've got no aspirations of getting a job, no aspirations of getting an education, no aspirations of contributing positively to my community, to my world, whatever. It's frustrating, wandering around without a purpose, God gave Adam and Eve a purpose straight away. He put them in a garden and straight away he gave them a purpose. Tend this garden. There's something here for you to do. You're on this planet at this time, in this place, for a reason. I don't believe in coincidences and accidents. I could have been born 200 years ago. I wasn't. I was born now. Why? For whatever reason, I'm meant to be here 2016 right now in Ginellaba. I don't know why, but it's part of a bigger picture. You're here. I don't know why, but you're here for a purpose. And we've got to believe that. We've got to go through life with that sense of call, of conviction and of purpose. If you don't have that, what are you here for? If you don't have a sense of conviction and purpose, you'll just wander around aimlessly. And you will never contribute positively to your family, to yourself, to your community. You won't. You'll wander around aimlessly feeling like you're insignificant. Nobody is insignificant. Everybody is significant. And every task is significant. Not necessarily because of the task itself, but because of who put you here to do it. God. God makes every task significant. And you have a task and a purpose. What is that purpose? Well, that's another message. I haven't got time to get into all that right now. But let me just tell you this. You have a purpose. You exist for a reason. Do you believe that? It doesn't matter what I say, what I think. What do you believe? Do you have a conviction on the inside of you? You're here for a reason. You're here for a purpose. You know what's interesting too um, about this passage is you've got to understand Adam and Eve, when they were created, they were unique in the sense that from us. In, in one sense. They were created by God. They knew God right from the start. They, didn't have, they don't even have a concept of what it's like to not believe in God. Think about that. They never even, it wasn't even, a, as a matter of fact, the question that we have in the West now, you know, we have this, this overriding question, does God exist? Did you know that question has only come to prominence in about the last 100 years? Virtually, of human history. It's only been about the last 100 years you go back a hundred years and right back to the beginning of time you know what the question was which god is most powerful therefore worthy of my worship but we're too educated now In the last hundred years we've become so educated that we think we can't even comprehend the existence of god yet we're the minority when it comes to human history every culture every tribe every place hundred years ago back the question was we know he's there who is he we're trying to find him we're searching. All of a sudden now we want to fight, we don't even believe he's there. So if we don't think he's here, we're not we going to look. But let me tell you something, you have a purpose, you're here for a reason. These guys, when God planted them in that garden, he gave them a place. When he gave them a, a job to do, tend the garden, keep it. I don't know how they did that, I don't know what the, what the thing was, but, but here's the thing, maybe Adam's over here going to Eve, well, the roses, maybe you just get the weeds out of the roses because they're the pretty ones and you'll keep it pretty. I'll just start ripping and hacking and you know, all the colourful flowers will come out with it too because that's what guys do when we garden. We just pull anything out that's not green. Well, that's what I do anyway. Um, and maybe he was over here trimming the, the bigger trees. I don't know how they did it. But what's interesting is in terms of their purpose, they got their purpose from God and it was a purpose bigger than themselves. You know, when we think about purpose these days, everybody thinks individually. We automatically think, what's my individual purpose? What's my purpose? What's my purpose? I exist to make billions of dollars. Maybe you do, but if you're going to think that way, you exist to make billions of dollars, guess what? You won't impact the world. You'll just impact your own bank account. Why do you exist to make a billion dollars? I exist to be a... a, I feel like I'm called to be a a teacher, to, to be a principal of a school. That's fantastic. That's you personally. Called to be a principal of a school, that's great. But there's a bigger picture. Why are you called to be a principal of a school? What impact can you have? What change can you bring to those kids, to the education, whatever? There's a bigger reason. There's a bigger impact. God gave them a place. And God gave them a purpose as well. You know, your purpose is found in the context of a community too, by the way. It's found in the context of a community. And the third thing, we'll finish up with this. God gave them his presence. God gave them his presence. Genesis 3.8. It says, They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. These guys lived with an awareness that they had a place. They weren't in a garden by accident. They were put there. God gave them that place. They lived with an awareness of a purpose. God said, tend that garden. Keep it. Look after it. And they also lived with an awareness of God's presence. Bible says he came down in the cool of the day and he would literally walk with them in the cool of the day. He would walk with them. If you live your life with an awareness, find your place. Where are you meant to be? There's a place where God wants to plant you where you will thrive, where life will move from just being a mundane place of existence to actually living. And how many of you know there's a difference between existing and living? God wants to put you somewhere where you can come alive, not just out, but your spirit. You can truly come alive. He wants to give you a place. And in that place, he wants to show you his purpose. Why are you who you are? Why do you think the way you think? Why do you, why do you look at the world the way you look at it? Why do you act the way you act? Why, why are you wide the way you are? Why is your personality the way it is? There's a purpose. There's a reason. And we find that in the context of interactive community. And thirdly, we need to live with an awareness of God's presence. He said He will never leave us and never forsake us. You know, years and years ago, I'll finish with this. I went down to Sydney uh, at uh, uh, Northern Beaches and I did a leadership course for one week called Express Leadership. And it was an amazing course. We had people coming in. There was, there was um, Brian Houston from Hillsong Church and Phil Pringle. And we also had big uh, business leaders from different corporations in Sydney. And we had a guy called uh, the Sandhill Warrior. Any of you familiar with Manly Sea Eagles rugby league team? Years ago, he used to be their physical trainer, and he's got this bushy sort of uh, blonde hair, and he's he's old, but he's fit as. It's he's like he just puts on leather skin every morning and goes out in the sun all day. That's what he looks like. Anyway, every morning at five o'clock, we would be woken up and we would have an hour and a half session with the Sandhill Warrior for seven days straight. And it was a sight to see. I tell you, some of these people working in, in different businesses and organisations, and church pastors, and people who maybe let themselves go a little bit, couple too many coffees and donuts, and five o'clock are out of bed. And he's running us down the beach and up and sit ups and. It was amazing. I loved it because I'm just physically fit sort of a dude anyway. So out the front of all the other people, go, hey, look at me. Yeah, don't you wish you were me? But there was this one exercise he had us do, and it was called the red back. And what we would do is we would, we would get down on the ground, and you, you can probably see, and feed out the back, hands about shoulder width apart, and hold your body exactly flat, a few centimetres off the ground. And we would have to do that. And the first day, he got us to do it. And we all collapsed after about 20 seconds. The best of us did about 30. We just could not hold that. And he's ripping into us and telling us, we are, you haven't got enough trust in yourself, you can do more than that. All the motivational stuff that you do, you know, you can push yourself further. By the end of the week, he said to us, you'll be doing a minute by the end of the week. By the end of the week, I was able to do over a minute. Easy. Got us down there on the seventh day and every one of us, every one of us, were doing a minute. I could have gone longer than a minute, you know? But what was funny was when I came home (laughs) and then I tried to do it at home, you know what? I was back to 30 seconds. I just could not. And I'm thinking, why can't I do this? What is? And then I realised all of a sudden, you know why I'm struggling to do it right now? Because I don't have the presence of the Sandhill Warrior looking over me, ripping into me, encouraging me, telling me to keep on going, you can do this, 10 more seconds, 5 more seconds. When he was there doing that, it just built me up. On the inside, I could do more than I thought I could possibly do simply because of the presence of this grey-haired, leathery-skinned old man. How much more should I be able to do in this life when I'm aware of the presence of God Almighty himself behind me, encouraging me, come on, you can go another 10 seconds, another 5 seconds, you can go a bit harder, you can go. A bit, you can do a bit more, you can give a bit more, you can love a bit more, you can show a bit more grace. How much more should I be able to do in life when I'm aware of that presence? Is that right? Are we excited about that this morning? I don't know about you, I'm really enjoying this, I'm excited this morning. God's given us a place, he's given us a purpose, a reason why we exist And he's given us his presence to encourage us and support us. And if we lay a hold of those three things, we position ourselves to be blessed. We position ourselves to live a life that's not only fruitful and changes us on the inside, but we position ourselves to live a life where we can multiply ourselves out there into the world and be a positive influence upon society. Amen. Father, I want to thank you, uh, Lord, for this morning, God. Thank you for your word, God. Thank you, uh, God, for the truth that's in that book. And Lord, a lot of it... uh, Father, we know that it's not all head stuff and it takes, uh, God, it touches our spirits and it takes our spirit to come alive to fully understand a lot of what you say. But God, uh, we thank you that you translate this stuff into languages that we can understand, that we can get. Father, I pray for each of us here. God, if this is our place, if Arise Church is is our place, God, then Father, I just pray you just seal that deep in people's hearts. This is the place where you're meant to be. God, if, if people are not meant to be here, God, if if there's another place where they will thrive and grow, then, Lord, I pray you would show them that place. Get them planted in. Get them loving, serving, uh, giving, uh, God, benefiting the community that they're in. God, we thank you for the purposes of God. Lord, for this church, we thank you for the purposes of God, for each individual in this place, God. Father, I pray you would begin to to call us up, God, to reach for those purposes, to not be lazy and slack and wander around like a, a generation of people with no purpose, but God, cause us to reach for the purposes of God, to believe in the purposes of God and run after those purposes. And Father, we thank you that we have your presence with us, God. Thank you, Father, that as we go through life, as we go from this place, you go with us. You encourage us, you stir us on, you love us, you cheer for us, God. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. 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 Who's hot just quietly? No, I'm not.